Welcome everyone to the Blast From Cast From. For those of us, uh, for those of you who are just discovering this podcast, this is a music podcast, okay? Uh, that'll be quite a lot of people. Huge, huge room for growth in terms of uh, listenership. Right, okay, so uh, Neil here. That's not an instruction, that's who's here. Uh, and I will be joined very shortly in this conversation. Uh, two Davids will be entering, one more lovely than the last. Uh, so how are you doing, guys? Just trying to figure out who should talk first with that introduction. <laughs> I had myself muted, so I was I was still reeling from the Neil line. I, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed that on, on mute, so I didn't want to interrupt your intro, but I was howling. So you had a winner, but a silent winner. And as the one who talked first, I think that makes me less lovely. You're more lovely. We're um, just oh. just looking at the uh, the format here. We're we're scheduled oh. for some banter, so um, just get that going. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Huh? Yeah, snowing. Everybody getting snow. Yeah. Yeah. In, Two in, months too late. Um, hopefully there's still snow by the time we get this edited and out, um, so that it'll be still oh. relevant. But um, <laughs> oh, and you know that's our that's our forte is to record and edit and get it out in a sharp, timely Take manner. Take a long time. I mean, once we once we get rolling here. Uh, well, oh. well, maybe maybe we should think of this podcast in in seasons. So this is season, <laughs> I don't know, seven point two or something like that. Holy monkey! <laughs> uh, there was a big pause because the the cast insisted on getting paid one million per episode, oh. and there was an extended negotiation process that just no, was, what, was what? untenable. How committed are we to the banter section? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not very, apparently. I mean, it is. You've got yeah. the the social skills are kind of well. I mean, in these dark Wouldn't times, be. how are you keeping just so chipper? Both of you, you sound just it's on pretty, top of the world. It's pretty bright here because of the snow. I mean, reflecting off the white, you see that's lighting knowledge because of the white lighter nights. Let's I move went on. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a subject that we've been very much looking forward to covering. You might say. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> My mic was not muted there. <laughs> it's the, the cover song. You take a song. It's already been released. You think, do you know what? That person didn't do a good enough job. I'm, I'm the one that's going to bring out the true meaning of this song. And we'll discuss to what extent that has or hasn't happened for a variety of uh, artists. Mm-hmm. Is that the only approach? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you sensing, based on the songs that we've listened to, a, a different feeling from some of these people, a different approach. Well, I mean, let's walk through this conversation. These boots are made for walking, so let's just go (laughs) forth and we'll get there. A lot of the songs that we're going to cover... uh, Yeah, there you go. Just That was unintentional that time. Um, That we're going to cover today... Uh, Don't explain them. They work better when you don't uh, don't stumble past. When you get a little good one like that. Rush past. (laughs) When you get a good one like that and you just sort of backtrack and go, wasn't that great? Um, People like it less. Just nod to everybody. Yeah, you like that? So we'll cover cover that one up. (laughs) So a lot of the songs that we're talking about, they are covers that have been given a spin of some sort. So they've at least tried to, for good or bad, put in some element of creativity. We're not talking about the kind of karaoke covers that the, the likes of Michael Bublé traffics in. Uh, these are ones that somebody's, they've tried to give a little bit of a spin. You know, this is, I'm going to put my stamp on this cover and we'll just kind of try and decide to convict mm. the covers. So uh, this laboured premise is that we've got um, an, an amount of cover songs here. And there's songs... Convict that, the covers. Convict the covers. <laughs> Don't think you thought this one through, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was uh, doing the, the arithmetic there. 
What's, what's that? <laughs> well, let me let me walk you through it. There's songs that will have been able to successfully commit robbery on a song, which means that they took the song, tried to take it for themselves, and we'll decide whether that was successful or not. Uh, there are other songs that have committed murder on the original song uh, that have actually ruined the song forever and ever. So I guess you're kind of making a critical statement there, whether you enjoyed the song or not. For example, you think, oh, this song was actually so successful a cover they put their own stamp on it that now belongs to them although i guess if you were convicting somebody for robbery you're, you're gonna have to they're gonna get the stuff back aren't they maybe the premise is a bit it's a bit of a stretch isn't it yeah <coughs> i think we should convict you for this premise well t- the long and the short of it is do we like it or did oh. we think it was horrible <laughs> i guess uh, as, as we have, go have we got bit. a kind of um could they be doing a kind of robin hood a robin hood yes taking oh. taking it and, they're uh, they're and taking the song from from um, nah, it's not going to work either. Or it could be a custody <laughs> battle, couldn't it? You like you you've got a song. Oh. Actually, it belongs to somebody else now. Or that they or, or that they, 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 the songs are so good that make us reach in and quiver. Robin Hood. Okay. Arrows, arrows, and stuff. <clears throat> wow, you really I'm want to mute my mic on. from now on. So there's your theme: cover <laughs> songs. We're just going to talk about cover songs. That's fine. Uh, first of all. I kind of wanted to talk about a notorious cover artist, Pat Boone. You liking this guy? After this very specific, because I, I, <laughs> I misinterpreted when I was sent this. I uh, originally thought, wow, Boone's a real, he's a real... Pick um, fence. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I... Because I didn't notice the order, I thought it was the other way around. I thought, oh, poor Boone, he's been he's been stolen so many times. And then I realised, oh no, wait, that came first, and sort of that one. And then I started to work my way through it, and I was like, goodness me, this guy's awful. <laughs> it's just, it's literally, he just, he got, I don't know how you describe it. He's like got the originals. It wasn't even like he'd sang them in any different way, but it's just like he got the originals. And there's all these like levers and buttons to sort of increase the bass, take down the treble, all these things of like, oh, make the the drums a little bit. And he just put them all sort of middle. <laughs> and just there was nothing in them. They just basically yeah. sounded like when you've got really low quality headphones from an airplane. That's basically what they felt like. It's like serial killer. <laughs> nothing yeah, behind like, the like eyes. It was, too, of these yeah. songs. <laughs> it was the audio version of Tom Cruise eyes. Basically, they just <laughs> the, he was maybe maybe it's sociopath or is it is it when someone's is it there's no empathy or whatever like they just basically can't enjoy the pleasures of life. Maybe it's like slightly. His brain wasn't working. He was like, "No, this is too much. You take it back to its basics, and then it can be enjoyed." Have we uh, have we jumped to conclusions though? Because how much do oh. we know about his uh, his manager, for instance? Was um. was he being brought into the studio and his manager laid out for him and said, "Hey, you know, here's the thing, Pat. Uh, this is this is business, isn't it? This is this idea oh. that you are re- trying to quote unquote reinterpret these songs for a specific market." But the mm. first one that he had, the first hit was. Fats Domino's Ain't That a Shame, which apparently by his own account, this was, I, I don't recall actually on top, the top of my head which documentary it was, but he'd said that he actually wanted to redo the title and the lyrics to the song to Isn't That a Shame? Because he oh wasn't my. quite on board with the colloquialism of that, that, uh, Ain't. that refrain. Ain't That a Shame? He wanted it to be Isn't That a Shame? Which kind of, I guess, speaks <laughs> to his manner of covering these songs. That's why I think he's slightly serial killer then, because that's like well, doesn't it, get it, it at be, all. It wouldn't be it, it. wouldn't be ain't. It would be isn't. So different yeah. world, though, isn't it? Maybe maybe he viewed himself oh. as being responsible for uh, the the education of his listeners. So he was 
needing to correct the grammar <laughs> and not, yeah, not um, you know, push out this uh, this slack approach to communication. <laughs> like a teacher reading an essay. <laughs> Better here, try harder there. Um, grammar's terrible, but if you do this, it's better. Kind of we speaks write. to that he doesn't know how pop music works, I think, is, yeah. is part of it. Um, <laughs> so, but actually, that was, in terms of chart success, Fats oh. Domino's track got to number 10, which is actually pretty good, so it was obviously a well-known song. Uh, but Pat took that to number one with his version. Ooh. Can you believe it? Do you think that speaks to the audience as well? Because obviously, maybe it was like, so. it's ter- terrifying hearing this powerful, beautiful voice from this, uh, well, he wasn't white. Pat Boone knows that. You know, you, you've got the the creator of the song who, who put all the energy into it and the feeling that the song was meant to have. He got it to number 10, you're saying, Neil. Then someone else came along, covered it, um, far more restrained, and they got to number one. Isn't There's that no a shame? justice in the world here. Oh. Ain't that a shame? Sorry, I talked to him for the fun. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh. <laughs> Yes, ain't that a shame? He's trying to slide it to home base, and Neil just tackled him with a football bat. <laughs> All right, I will not be doing that from now on. I'll sit back, let you get the un- unfurl the puns. Okay. Oh, he's a bit of a Pat Boone on this podcast. Bit- I'm sorry. <laughs> the world wasn't so ready sorry. for that pun, okay? I had to reinterpret. Oh. I mean, we did, we did listen to a number of them. We'll just kind of go to the, the main ones. Uh, I mean, just the examples of how Pat Boone was able to, you know, rocket them up the charts. You've got I'll Be Home by the Flamingos. That was the next one, which mm. was released in 1955. Uh, got to number five on the R&B charts. I don't know how that translates to overall sales, but Pat Boone took it to number five in the main charts, the Billboard 100. It's almost he's, he's almost like some sort of guy who's like, you know, I can't remember the name of the show. It's more of a modern show. But, you know, like they get like a rusted old banger and then do it up and then make more money on where they find it. Probably like buy it in somebody's garage for like $500 and then they sell it on for profit. But there's no talent in what they're doing because they didn't originally make the car. I don't know if that's, that doesn't work. I'll, well, I'll yeah, I think I think I know what you're saying. It's like someone finds um, like an an, an antique table, uh, sticks got, a bunch of glitter got, to it, and it gets, got, yeah, it's, it's ten got million some character, but it's it's it, in its original sort of form. Uh, you know, you can't really argue with the design. And then they just sort of put paint and glitter all over it, and think that's that's the one. But the, but it's you bought, though. You wouldn't accuse him of putting any glitter on these. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's taken it away. It's almost yeah. reducing it. It's like, this table is now just uh, four baseball bats. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Little Richard's efforts were the most, I found the most oh. interesting. So you've got Tutti Fruity, which I think, well, based on the research, you've got to number 21 in the charts. Uh, you can't disagree. A, based, a seminal yeah. rock and roll song in music in pop music history. Uh, Little Richard's one. I don't think, I can't... You, after the fact, you can't accuse Pat Boone's version of being the most <laughs> famous version of Tootie Fruity, that's for certain. So history sort of took care of that. Uh, but his his version, Pat Boone's, did get to number 12. So better in America than, than Tootie Fruity, the original. That is ins- especially the way Little Richard sort of, he absolutely belts it out and his style. And especially like uh, another one of his songs, like Long Tall Sally, is one of my favorites. Not just because of Predator. Seeing that new sound must have been so exciting. That's what I can't. Get about this. It's like rather than being sort of blown away and like, what is this 
It's always the greater masses are just like, no, no, tone it down. My goodness, we've got we've got little radios. Because maybe the radios weren't able to handle, like we know now, remastered and the, the sounds and the, the, the way it's mixed and it's so beautiful and it comes to a really good HD, you know, uh, speaker or whatever. But maybe it was easier to listen to a Pat Boone version of these songs because there wasn't much in it and it would handle well on these speakers. Maybe that's what we're missing. It's just so much easier to listen to. Yeah, I mean, Elvis is kind of accused of this kind of thing, but I mean, Elvis, you can't say Elvis didn't have stage presence and had exciting, like an exciting way of singing. And But you've got, the, no, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've got the reverse, which is Pat Boone being like, yeah, he really uh, took it that's back too much. from where it was. Where, yeah, where Elvis obviously went, no, I'll, I'll do it as well. Um, but because he was white, he obviously was more successful because people look at it and were like, oh, well, uh, I'm used to what I'm seeing right now. And then when he performs, it was obviously that, whereas Pat Boone seemed to strip everything away. One thing about America around about then was I think that was when they were really starting to get their, well, their middle class was starting to to really take form and shape. Decades like leading up to that, I think you kind of had like rich people and then you had you had like very poor people, uh, working class. But then round about the time of Pat Boone, you, you had these suburbs cropping up and um, with the nice, you know, lawns and everything like that, nice detached houses in the car. The husband had a job and the wife stayed at home and things and they had all the modern cons and stuff like that and it it was like a little microcosm universe that they had and I think at that point they all really liked it and history's kind of shown that 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 soured somewhat um, over time for various reasons and things but I can see kind of why that populace would have maybe wanted something slightly less well or slightly more recognizable to them probably because that was just their culture at the time. They were completely surrounded by other people exactly the same as themselves. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're coming at Well, I was hoping we get some sociology in, in this podcast. That's, that's wonderful. But we, <laughs> yeah, you kind of, around about this time, coming out of quite... I mean, was there still segregation in certain parts of the country at this point? You're talking about the early 50s, aren't you? So probably... I think there could have been on buses and things like yeah. that as the... Yeah. We're getting right into it. But any, any, so that tied into the all mod cons thing. So Pat Boone was a spokesperson for Chevrolet. So not only so did you, do you went, you went for the um, the mod cons. Was uh, Dave had an interesting approach by saying modern cons. Sorry, attack you, Dave. But, uh, <laughs> I reject the premise of your question. Um, right, sorry. Uh, that's a Tom Hanks anyway, one. Anyway, um, should we get back to Little Richard, or do you have? Did you have something next with it? No, that's I'm done. You're done. You can sit. You just sit down for a second. Um, <laughs> So, little apparently, Little Richard took umbrage to his being defeated in the charts by his own song, and apparently, when he was recording "Long Tall Sally," he kind of had the side eye on Pat Boone's attempts and tried to make it as fast and up to tempo as possible because he kind of, I guess, he saw the range that Pat Boone had and tried to make a song that he couldn't possibly cover. Wow, that uh, makes that song <laughs> even better. <laughs> Little Richard basically did an angry, side-eyed version to basically be like, and now take it. Yeah, you so, can't, loser boy. And you've you've heard it. Um, that was a success on Little Richard's part because the attempt was, let's not pile on the guy too much, but good God, come on. Back off, Pat. <laughs> oh, wait, it's too late. This time, Little Richard did uh, come out on top. His version of Long Tall Sally, which is electrifying. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell you what, electrifying. Little Richard proved that uh, Pat Boone had the Little Richard when it became time to be. Oh, f it up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Perform, I was going to say. F I, uh, leave this in. F losing needs to be exposed. 
Oh god. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so yeah, there, there was a the success there for Little Richard. Uh, the only one really in this list that we looked at these sort of early Pat Boone successes. Uh, Chains of Love by Big Joe Turner uh, defeated him in the charts. Two Hearts, Two Kisses by The Charms. Wow. Another one where he came out on top there. And At My Front Door was the other one we listened to by The Eldorados and Pat Boone. It's just awful because like, I was like, oh, he's obviously gone and made his own success. But to know that like, like, almost every time it's been a, a, a Boone victory is just even more disheartening. That I'm glad that at least Little Richard was like, no chance, pal. That's Little Richard, though. That's... Uh, one mm. in a million. Yeah, I mean, um, that's that's just life, though, isn't it? Because um, you alluded to earlier when you said business, and so Little Richard was not correctly placed in the in the market at the time, I suppose, to enjoy the success that was rightfully due to him. But long term, he did get that. You know, it's his version that gets played now. Oh yeah, well yeah, I think a lot of the. I mean, I've never, I've never actually. Apart from watching that documentary, I had heard the Pat Boone Ain't That a Shame version, but none of these other ones have really heard the Pat Boone version. So yeah, the time does eventually. You can't ignore the fact that covers in this case that we're talking about um, are missing the magic. And I don't think I've got anything other than that to say about it. It's just in the Little Richard version um, or the Fats Domino's version or anyone who was coming up with these original songs that we are still listening to now, they've just got a spice to them. They've got something there that is, re- it sounds like it should have always been there. Um, it's fantastic. And then when you listen to this cover, it's just a dumbed down, deadened version of that. And it's, you know, it, 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 it can't stand sounds up. Sounds like the sounds like the country that was uh, making them popular. That's uh, pretty much the, the charts were all full of dumbed down, dead and. <laughs> well, well, I mean, Tutti Fruit was like a an early rock and roll, so that kind of formed how music was going to be in the in the pop charts from from then on. Anyway, we've 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 piled on Pat Boone. That's enough. That's enough. Let, let the guy up. Yeah, let the guy rest. Eh? And let's move swift. Yeah, you'll probably release this podcast, eh? Wee! <laughs> Is he dead? No, he's, dead, he's, eh? he's he's outlived. Uh, he's outlived oh Little Richard. Final insult. He's winning again. <laughs> Silk sheets. <laughs> so we had to listen to a selection. I mean, we couldn't cover obviously every. <laughs> cover song in history and we had to draw the line somewhere wow if, if this, this is, is like a thick gravy <laughs> using that word cover by the way Fair enough, right <laughs> let's move on to a consomme for this okay so let's review some of these cover songs well we'll start off with the one of the more famous ones you've got all along the watchtower by bob dylan a very good bob dylan song i would say but then jimmy hendrix comes along with his version what do you think of that wow Wow, is that yeah? It? Wow. <laughs> no, no. I think it's it's harder talking about the it's harder talking about the big ones because, um, like you know, what hasn't been said all that stuff. But obviously, the way this, the Hendrix one starts is almost like a statement of, oh, yeah, that was a great song, but this is mine. He almost makes it with the first two chords. You're like, oh yeah. my god, he's got it's a it's a slam dunk it's a it's a it's a three pointer it's a some other sports hold on it's a, a penalty kick i don't know what's a good one um uh, hockey it's a goal puck um uh tennis uh okay right, it's right, a, yeah, it's a 40 love 
I mean, this one's a, a, a quick one to go through because Bob Dylan yeah. himself has actually said, that's not my song anymore. I think he's like totally nailed it. And there's probably a more accurate way or a succinct way of saying what I was trying to say before when I was talking about magic and stuff. It's probably more just that a song prob- has like an ideal form. And if the first person, the creator describes that form perfectly, then there's nothing to cover. They've done it. Whereas if they don't quite get there, who knows? Maybe Hendrix listened to Bob Dylan's yeah. one and went, he should have done this with that. You know, this that yeah. could have went here. And that is a good excuse to cover, a good reason to cover, isn't it? Yeah. It'd be like why why it's annoying that nobody remakes terrible films is why it's annoying when there's a really great song it's covered and it's just so watered down, diluting juice, just horrible. But like you're saying, when someone hears it and goes, oh, if you'd, if you'd just hit it here, if you'd more powerful in this section. And it's almost like a, a an homage and a critique, but it's also a new thing and it becomes its own thing. And, and it's a classy thing for Bob Dylan to be like, well, he's, he's it's his. Like, that's that's cool. That makes him more of a kind of musician because he's like, I, you know, I, I, I brought the mold and you made the you made the next the next piece. But yeah. I think it's why why the next, like, it's kind of, because that's, that's the most powerful example of it but there are versions of songs that were classics and that's why we're obviously going to talk about a few and try and get a few in the next timed half an hour we've got left here but um the the fact that like obviously there's bands who've gone no no maybe if you went this way and actually doing a different weirder version makes it a new and better song it's like hip-hop in a way like musicians even though they're not doing it like hip-hop where you take a sample or things like that and make it a new basically make a new track they do that where they hear it and hit it in a different way where it actually becomes a new thing it becomes a new like whole song which is why it's hard to be like not everything's gonna be along the watchtower but we'll probably get to devo but that 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 describes one of my that's just taking a song and going yep it could have sounded like this, but if it was put through a mutant vortex, it would also sound like this. <laughs> or, I mean, you know, like, it's like Beethoven. It'd be fantastic if you just tidy it up a bit. <laughs> oh, this guy, yeah, he's classy, yeah, Beethoven. <laughs> uh, me and my silly diva and my tatties, eh? Well, I think um, it's it's Bob Dylan. He's got enough songs, so I guess it's fine, it's, it's fine for him to say. Well, <laughs> plenty to go around. <laughs> There's plenty to go around. <laughs> so, speaking of putting your stamp on a song, um, These Boots Are Made For Walking by Nancy Sinatra <laughs> was you, then you covered s- by Jessica Simpson of a b- for her turn uh, in the... Another remake, actually, the Dukes of Hazard remake, where I think oh. she played uh, Daisy. Oh, was Duke. that from that film? Yeah. So the yeah. Sorry, I'm talking over uh, the top of you. I'm uh, just I'm furious you're talking about this Jessica Simpson song. <laughs> this is one of the selections. So Jessica Simpson, these boots were made for walking. What what's what's happened here? Contracts, cash down, money, deals, business. Being the country and western Britney Spears wasn't satisfying enough. She had to be. Uh, and copying another singer, so I guess that was her. She thought, "Why not just double it? Double down." Isn't isn't the walking bass line part of the song, and that's just missing from the the re the redone version? <laughs> oh, you're talking about missing the point completely. Oh, missing yeah, she, the she point completely. Yeah. yeah, that is, and and not even. I mean, Nancy Sinatra for all her ills and good and all that stuff and whatever she's gone through as an as an artist. Her voice is perfect for that song because it matches the bass line and it's that whole boom, boom, do the way it starts. And it's not even energy. It's just like a kind of, this is a smoky, it's coming out your ears, it's beautiful, oh, just oh, grimy. It's almost like a like a kind of a thick mocha drink. And then Jessica Simpson's is just petrol station piss coffee. It's just, why bother? 
Yeah. Just, no, honestly, why why bother? It's just one of these. I mean, there's, we, as you say, there's a, it's an endless well of covers and all this stuff. But her one offended me so greatly because it was just like I'd forgotten it existed. What is it? I guess it's like being offended after the fact. I don't know how you well, how you would describe like this. Dero said, I think it was yeah. We need this. We need this. This is this film's coming out. Money down. <laughs> Let's get this done. Let's get it over yeah. with. Is the is the larger problem, and there still isn't. You know, there, there's no one standing around in the room going. This, this is, you know, this is uh, to the detriment of um, the human race uh, d- doing things <laughs> like this. A big deal, this song. It's to the detriment you know, of the human race. But you can't hold it against her. You you couldn't um, expect a child to cook the, the Christmas dinner and um, then be angry at them when um, everyone gets food poisoning. It's disgusting. <laughs> so this, I, I guess you would, this is attempted murder, but not a success because we all remember the original. It's not, it's not like this has supplanted or ruined that song in any way. It's just it's, a, yeah. it's an early two thousands like, folly, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be like hearing someone doing it on karaoke, a really bad version. You kind of go, "Oh, it's ruined my night," but it's not. I'm not going to think about it beyond that. But it's just one of these things, like, ugh, like that's the only noise you can make. It's just ugh. Do you know? I think it'd be fine if it was like a like a play for like a, a small village. And she'd covered it. <laughs> right there was a major motion picture and that song's now in circulation for the whole world. Relatively speaking. Um, okay, so <laughs> we know what we're doing with that one. Uh, this one I'd be interested to hear. So you've got Roberta Flack there with Killing Me Softly with his song. Oh. And a very, 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 very famous cover by the Fugees, Killing Me Softly with his song. Any opinions on this one? Tell you, if, I could, if, I, if you'll allow me to go first, Dave, um, I will allow you to go first. That's power. <laughs> We are now stuck forever. <laughs> um, you go first, please. <laughs> no, no. Um, what, what I was, was going to say, because obviously I've got a kind of um, a, a love-hate with hip-hop nowadays. I think it's just one of these things where most of the time if, there's the, if I discover the original song or if there's a sample or if there's uh, um, something that's been in a, a rap song, I'm like, oh my God, what's the original sound like? I'm usually impressed by the original um, and I'm always like, oh god, that's is, that's is quite good. That's a beautiful voice and stuff. But as much as I love Roberta Flack and like, um, is it, I can't remember the name of the song. But compared to what is that the name of it, or is that just part of the lyrics? No, that's the, um, that's the name of the song. That's the, that was. I remember discovering that and being like, oh my goodness. And then I actually realized that she had done this version of Killing Me Softly, and I was like, oh my god. It was like after the, obviously growing up and listening to hip hop in the nineties. But even after going back, I will say Lauren Hill has a better delivery of that line. And the way the this, this, the intro is sung, but this, the song sort of peters downhill and it's got that really annoying which then just kills it completely. But her intro to Killing Me Softly is so much more uh, smooth. But I, I love yeah, both I versions. Think I mean? I, uh, relatively, I mean, it wouldn't be the same kind of thing. They, they wouldn't have put their own stamp in it, but a relatively straightforward cover with Lauren Hill singing it would have been pretty good. It, it's kind of ruined by the second half because her voice one time, is gorgeous. One time, one time. Oh, yeah, two exactly. Times, two times. <laughs> <laughs> the ad libs do not add to it's, the experience. It doesn't. It doesn't work. But that's what I'm saying. It's so disappointing because you're like, oh, who's this? He's like almost Watchtower in this this piece, and then uh, in comes bloody what's his name again? Daz or Raz or what's the guy's name again? Not Wyclef Sean doing that. I, think it's, I, think, I could be wrong. Who's the Who's the third guy in Fuji's? Surprise! Sorry, he was he was also there. Um, Where do your loyalties lie on this? On this? Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm thinking back. So the um, yeah, I I had not heard the Roberta Flack version of that um, until like a few years ago. So I was only familiar with the Fuji's version. And by the time 
I had heard the Roberta Flack one, uh, the same criticisms that you guys have, have uh, put against the Fuji's one I, I had as well, you know, like that was very, it was fine at the time. It's not aged well, it's those ad libs and things like that, but they were totally on the mark for the time. I think a lot of people, like it, it sounded very correct for when it came out, but hearing the Roberta Flack version for me was like hearing that without all of the, the garnish on it, the unnecessary garnish. So yeah, I like the Roberta Flack one and um, I like, I there's another Roberta Flack song that I like a lot as well. So yeah, I I, I enjoy it. I, I, I totally agree. I think Lauren Hill's got an amazing voice. She could have just really taken that um, to another level because a lot of people wouldn't have heard the Roberta Flack one. Um, for no good reason either. Very good song. I don't know why it wasn't more famous, but it's not one that yes. I heard growing up. It's a generational thing, I guess. Because um, obviously Roberta Flack would have been known uh, when she was at her peak. But um, yeah, I think for you know people of our generation and, and beyond, the version that they all know is the, the Fuji's version. So I think in the, in the consciousness of the world, probably the mm. Fuji's version is the most known one. But are we saying that that one's been taken from Roberta Flack? Or can these coexist? You can enjoy one and the other. I would say coexist because you get the thrill of the full song from Roberta and you get a portion of it from Lauren Hill and then in comes the, the two dumplings behind her. I guess she's dragging a she's dragging a trailer of like old broken cutlery. Um so when she starts up it's a beautiful purr of the engine, but then the minute she gets going you just hear the rattle of that stuff in the back. Next one up Delilah by Tom Jones, is then covered in a live version. There was version. no cover, sorry. You what? Delilah's the only version. Tom Jones nailed it. Delilah by Tom Jones, and then oh. Delilah by the Sensational Alex Harvey Band. So Sensational Alex Harvey Band found some success in <laughs> the mid to late 70s with this version. I think only... So they never made a big deal of it. I think they only covered did it live, and then, but they thought it was so enjoyed that they thought they would release actually the live version as a single uh, so what are our thoughts on here then well neil knows my thoughts on tom jones best uh export loving tom jones uh i would be on the other end of the spectrum where i'm oh. not the hugest of tom jones fans and thought that alex harvey got the so the when you listen to the tom jones version you're kind of just you're listening to you know a tom jones song the lyrics are horrendous it's about a murder isn't it whereas alex harvey kind of gives it some <laughs> Gives it some feeling to what's what's actually occurred in the in the story of the song, but um, and then obviously you got the the performance side of it is maybe more expressed in the Alex Harvey version, but Alex Harvey's got a habit of that because there's a song, uh, I think it's a Jack Brel song called Next, which Scott Walker also did a cover of, yes, and Alex Harvey did, which, but he gave it some real color to it. Alex Harvey's way of singing that next song is perfect because it's the little bits where he breaks and his voice is going or there's little bits that are like so scottish and then he hams it up and stuff that makes it wonderful whereas the the scott walker one just seems like a kind of poncy posh kid singing it off which is why i probably don't like, like that but that wasn't one yeah. of the songs we were going to talk about here <laughs> but just sorry guess, move it on move it on yeah uh, yeah alex harvey's got a, he's got a good delivery i think so i don't think the tom jones version is going anywhere alex harvey hasn't shifted it but it's um uh -huh. it was a noteworthy cover i think uh okay well let's go to let's go to the next one so uh you listened to the Seals and Crofts version of Summer Breeze, and then you obviously listen to the Isley Brothers version, who has come out on top. I think the Isley Brothers version is obviously the the more well known one. 
was it is that justified no i think um it's it's an unfortunate one as well because i think i can't remember which one i heard first but it was a bit like uh Stra- i'm talking about any other cover but the one we're talking about strawberry letter 23 uh when i heard the shaggy otis version it's a bit the similar reaction to this knowing that the original was the original version i was like used to the other one i'm like oh um good but no the Isley brothers one i would say i prefer but i don't know if that's kind of the better version it's, it's an odd one because they're so they're so gently similar but so different at the same time i might risk angering you both uh it's not my favorite song oh okay just yeah. sick of it like um yeah I, I i don't mind i don't mind either uh like just to squeeze this one in because this is one that i do have an opinion on that might not be on the roster but i think that jealous guy was covered very well by roxy music and it's a good first outing for it on John Lennon, but wow. Roxy Music expand it and have synths in it and stuff, and it's I uh, love that song. Extremely, I love that song. yeah, it's wonderful. I'm more, I'm more disappointed that I that it's not an original by Roxy Music because of how good and, and much I enjoy it than the disappointment of myself not knowing it was a John Lennon song. So let's talk about any the, other cover than the, the one you mentioned. The, the so mention whatever you want, Neil. <laughs> um, David didn't want to talk about the, uh, this song because he doesn't like the song. But um, yeah, there's a bit of a drubbing for me, I think. Uh, but I'm biased because the Isley Brothers are one of my absolute favorites. So um, yeah, there we go. Peter Frampton, Baby, I Love Your Way was famously, well, not a famous band, but the cover version was somewhat famous, certainly in this country, uh, by Big Mountain, Baby, I Love Your Way. You had a chance to hear both of these, and what was what, what do you think oh, it's yeah. happened here? Another problem of hearing the Big Mountain version first, <laughs> loving it, and then knowing that Peter Frampton did it. It's a bit like uh, it's not like it because obviously I didn't hear this first. But when I heard the Crowbar version of No Quarter, which I, I'm sorry I keep doing this, but let's talk about another cover while we mention it. <laughs> it kind of t- saps the possibility of a second version of this podcast out if you just <laughs> double up on all the, the other possible things we could talk about. But that's so fine. mentioning the one you mentioned and another, but it's like um, the Big Mountain version, there's something about that cool, smooth, it's not like a better musical version, it's just that, you know, the almost a cappella. And the way, it, the way it comes in is the same way I feel like for No Quarter by Crowbar because they don't mess about. Because obviously, the, with every Led Zeppelin song, it's about 15 minutes of unnecessary plinks and plunks until they actually get to the meat of the matter. But um, that's for another podcast, which has already been discussed. But the the reason I, I, I compare it is because it's just four minutes of just sort of pleasure. And I think the Crowbar, like everyone should go and listen to it, but the Crowbar version of No Quarter is just, it's everything that you need to do when you're covering something. You're obviously covering it in a way that's just, right, that sound of that thing that that thing made was amazing. So let's turn that up to 100 and then burst everyone's eardrums with just saying, no, quota, in a weird voice. That pleases me. So that's all I need is loudness and weird voice. So I, mean, I like Big Mountain. It's going to be it's going to be very confusing uh, to stay on track here when we talk about different <laughs> songs and we're talking about uh, just, I, mean, we, I, I present you with two songs. I mean, it's not too difficult, you know. You just talk about those two songs. We stick to that, guys. We agree with that from now on. Uh, I'm not going to stop believing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's far easier to to bring another song into the mix and compare it and contrast, uh, so that we, especially if that other song is also a cover, so yeah. that we're now dealing with four instead of two. <laughs> Neil, Neil's prepared a delicious meal for us, and we've brought our own sausages to just poke into the mix. Right, uh, but well, no, I think I think I think because Peter Frampton was a little known artist for me. He, he he in my 
whatever 90s Scottish growing up style, he was being told that he did the song originally and also being brought, his vinyl being brought out of a, a laundry basket in Wayne's World. <laughs> Frampton comes alive. And I had to, years later, Google who the hell Peter Frampton is. That just shows you how scumbag I am because that's all I knew about Peter Frampton was that... <laughs> He had an album that was really common. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disregard Peter Frampton. Easy now. It's a, it's, it's a less. <laughs> this isn't an anger podcast. It's a less nineties, awful reggae oh. <laughs> version of the Peter Frampton original <laughs> to me, but um, to each his own. Mm. Yeah, I love Peter Frampton, and he's coming I, back. I, <laughs> Frampton comes alive for Dave. <laughs> um, but no, I like I I do like both versions, but I just think it's just there's uh, something weak and pathetic about the '90s uh, reggae version that I kind of like. It's almost so much easier to digest. I so don't you know don't why. agree that a murder's been committed here on this song? No, 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 no. I think it's just they I'm both co- coexist. This is a good one actually to speak about because if you've seen the film High Fidelity, um, a film about a guy who yeah. is very particular about his music, he um, becomes infatuated with a, a woman for her performance of. Baby, I love your way, which is probably more in the big mountain side. Big mountain is that the right big terminology? Mountain, that's right, yeah, the well, the well remembered. So, speaking of notoriety, um, I could probably predict the opinions on this, but you never know. Oh, we have a very famous uh, pop rock uh, song by Journey, "Don't Stop Believing," which oh. then in the early two thousands was covered by the cast of Glee. In a, uh, a quasi a cappella slash community center keyboard version. Can I? Is there a way to kind of reverse talk about something? I must take time back. But I think Sopranos is to blame for this being back in the consciousness of people. And then a show at the same time about singing weirdly was like, oh, that song is popular. Let's sing. This song. Yeah, I was thinking the same Terrible. thing. I was trying to source where Terrible. that song kind of because it was like a, yeah. a classic rock station favorite, yeah. but and then it did appear in a very famous scene in The Sopranos. We yeah. won't go into for spoiler reasons, but um, hey. uh, yeah, that, that's not too long after that. It's the it? scene it appears, where Meadow yeah. passes her driving test. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, The Sopranos might t- be to to blame here. You're saying so, not a big fan of this. It absolutely is to blame, um, but. Yeah, no, yeah, it, oh, yeah, it's unfair to blame it. Like we can't, we can't convict. I would say yeah. the the jury's yeah. hung, but <laughs> um, the timing coincides entirely. I remember watching um, an episode of Sopranos and hearing that song, and um, yeah, I was I was hooked. I had to listen to the song again after um, I'd finished watching the episode, and so mm-hmm. very frustrating. I think for anyone who was a fan of the Sopranos who felt like you were enjoying this song as a little extra part of your enjoyment of the show or whatever you were like a club and then the whole world got in and just trashed it um just embarrassed it yeah i mean i I don't want to be too opinionated on it i think i think this goes beyond murder this is like this is a crime against humanity a lot of people were affected yeah yeah Yeah. it's the end of art (laughs) it was just really bad timing and it's just unfortunate that's that song which i still enjoy but it does it, it it's almost like you're just sort of sitting watching a film and someone just keeps flicking the back of your head. You, you, you're almost able to enjoy the film. It's the same with this song. I'm like, oh, yeah, don't stop believing Sopranos, all that stuff. And then you think, oh, yeah, the Glee cast covered that. So it just it always pokes in. It just pokes its ugly head in. And I just think, um, yeah, we've already said it. So it's, the, it's the, the honest, is, actually... I mean, they covered it at a point when I was sick of hearing the good one. 
Yes, this comes yes, along. that was worse. That was why it was worse because it was like just a way to dip off and be like, okay, show, okay, we enjoyed that. Oh, it's being creamed back up. Why? And then it went for another little while. It was like another hour, uh, year and a half until it actually died off. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. So, okay, we think we know where we stand with that song, but I had I kind of thought that was the case. Uh, possible other crimes against humanity um, candidate here. You've got George Michael's Faith, and then in the late 90s, Limp Biscuit does a, a new metal cover. Uh, how about that? I I listened to 5.4 seconds of the Limp Biscuit version and switched it off. And I'm not even a bloody George Michael fan. I enjoy some oh, of Oh, you stuff, missed out so much here. This I is a lot to talk couldn't, about. I couldn't stand it. I'm sorry. I'll, have to, I'll, I'll either, either have to take a backseat you. You'll have to educate me. But I honestly, it was the, eh, the Fred Durst gravelly little horrible voice he does. And I was like, nope. I just went, no, I don't care. I don't. <laughs> Even if you reprimanded me, I didn't care. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to waste my time. Um, I I didn't listen to it. <laughs> did you just flat out refuse to listen to it? Can yeah, I recommend I after this, just just so you know what's happening, <sighs> just listen to it. It's it's quite the experience. Oh. Just taste it. Can, well, what about, I'm looking at it right now. If I pressed play on this, would it be a disaster for your timings? Uh. Possibly. Do you want to take a little break to listen to the the whole thing? We'll all listen to it together. So we'll just take a pause here and we'll come back in a moment. Limp Biscuit for me. So so we're back. We've they've been convinced to listen to the song. Uh, um, Refreshed opinions here. No, refresh. Really. Does, it, does the sight of, does the sight of that song refresh me? It does not refresh <laughs> me. Um, I uh, which is unfortunate. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I don't hate Limp Biscuit. By by all means, I, I they it's are, quite easy to hate them, f- isn't it? He's it is a but figure of, of ridicule. I really like the song "My Way," so I can't really. Um, just to clarify, not to... a cover of the uh, the Frank Sinatra no, song. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I was. I, I was. You stepped all over it, it's which okay, is itself it's, uh, a cover. That's <laughs> maybe another uh, another uh, discussion at some other point. It's just unfortunate because I think Limp Bizkit kind of represents early two thousands, late nineties, backwards cap, big leather jackets, and weird looking guitarists. Um, which mm-hmm. I've, I'm so glad is gone that we don't have to deal with. But obviously, music now is in a huge state that uh, if only um, we could enjoy Limp Bizkit nowadays. <laughs> Is it's it, a, it's a, like a mosh cue, isn't it? That little when he goes yeah. in the chorus, I guess, is the what's, yeah. what's being attempted there. Has he fallen on hard times recently? Can we make fun of him, or is it something? Oh, I have no idea recently? what Fred Durst is doing these days. Yeah. So have at it. Don't be like bad, bad mouth, and it's like, oh yeah. By by the way, he's he's basically been found in a hole with half a face. Um, don't talk about him, guys, please. But I think well, um, you know what you could. You just have to say you have faith, <laughs> hey, Fred. Um, I, I remember being at school, uh, Limp Biscuit came out. I had a girlfriend, um, just I like I'm not showing off. Okay. <laughs> I had sideburns, a girlfriend. Yeah, it didn't go very well. I I, I, I was kind of a bit introspective at that point, and uh, that was kind of how our dates went. Um, she ended the relationship, and uh, she started seeing a guy who was very Limp Biscuit. Like, um, he had the t shirts and stuff, and. Uh, bleach blonde hair and all this sort of business he's very into that scene his approach was to actually um you know make her happy uh so mm. I've, I've never enjoyed limp biscuit so he went she went from your limp biscuit to his firm as a tea soaked um <laughs> custard cream um <laughs> he was a hobnob eh? oh yeah he, he was uh, ginger proud. Nut. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, right, okay, so we're, we're, I guess we're in the 
Jessica Simpson category here. It's not really done any damage to the, to the original song, has it? Where it's just another folly from a different time. Yeah. So no, no harm done apart from the people that actually are re- refuse to listen to it and then are convinced to do otherwise. <laughs> yeah. What, what's quite What's quite funny though is that um, I, you know, we're talking about people doing bad versions or karaoke versions, all that stuff. It actually allows me to dis- discuss something we've obviously talked talked about in our, our own lives, our own lives anyway. But um, it was my my favorite version of "No Woman, No Cry" was sung by a drunken Ned in Aberdeen. While a guy with an out of tune guitar was belted out, he like he he was just he was like a busker with a really out of tune guitar, and this Ned sort of staggered past him, uh, and was just started belted out. It was it was wonderful. I've never enjoyed a song more, but I've always enjoyed that more than any actual version. Of it. <laughs> well, that's just a tenuous link to uh, sometimes sometimes it's just the, the the passion of the way the music is delivered. Yeah. That's yeah, that's right. Uh, so we, we that's that's not on the list here. So we'll just go. On to the next <laughs> <one>. <laughs> All right. So the next one we'll talk about is Otis Redding's "Respect," which was later covered by Aretha Franklin. I think we know which the most famous version is. Mm. But what has happened here in terms of uh, in favor? Oh. Who's getting the favorite? Well. I think there's a similar thing with unfortunate timing for me because I heard the Aretha Franklin version first and was like, wow, what a great song. And then heard Otis Redding and almost in a kind of reverse, who the hell is this guy I think he is? <laughs> and that was my opinion for years until I realized he was the originator. And I was uh, not only embarrassed, I mean, as you should be, but uh, I still like the Aretha Franklin version first because just the way even that she starts it, it's just no wonder she was she was introduced by Vince McMahon at WrestleMania so powerfully. Um, <laughs> she's just got it; she has it. And I think Otis, he's got a version of the way he does songs sometimes. I think he didn't he didn't quite hit it for this one. And luckily, Aretha uh, managed to just hit it out of the park with this one because she just she runs with it. Um, and you got to give her respect for that. I think it's um, I think it's the the Jimi Hendrix scenario, isn't it, where Aretha actually gets the song. Um, oh yeah. Powerful. Actually, not 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 the Jimi Hendrix one because I don't know if Jimi Hendrix gets the song. Isn't he? he just kind of <laughs> rips it to bits, doesn't he? he? Like just takes it. He gets it. <laughs> but um, it's no. I think Aretha Franklin takes the song and makes it what it's actually about. I think it's it's as if the um, with some of these uh, the the FedEx of inspiration got the wrong address. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> stocks are going up. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Aretha's taken it then. She just sets oh, yeah. her song now. Not all is lost for well, depends how you swing on things, but I don't know how I think about it. But um, try a little tenderness. Let me start again. Oh, try a little try tenderness. Speaking proper. <laughs> try a little tenderness was just sort of an old jazz standard. Um, the first recorded version, at least according to what I've been able to research, was Ray Noble and his orchestra, which is you know, it is what it is. Ah, Ray, uh, yeah, yeah. And then know. Otis Redding comes along, and I think I'll let you speak first, but I'll speak first before you speak. Um, <laughs> This is what cover songs are, is it not? This what what Otis Redding has done here, and then you can speak. More neutralized all of my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What can you add to that? Uh, no, what you've just said about it being the uh, the absolute uh, cover, blah blah blah. It's uh, not that. I've got big opinions, Limp Bizkit opinions. I don't know what else to say. Honestly, I think uh, if only there was more. Uh, even though Basket Case is a is a wonderfully 
beautiful film. If someone like try to remake that and just make it a slightly better film, it's a bit like take the ball and run with it. Um, and sometimes people just take a you know touchdown. Uh, what another sport? Um, uh, water polo. I think there's some sort of uh, is there a rim shot or something? Um, it's a bit like darts. Getting a bullseye is that the winner? Yeah, you, n- you nailed it basically. <laughs> bullseye. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he, t- he took like a, a standard and made it his. I mean. People think of he got a shot version. put hard throw. I think that's when you win at shot put. Um, doesn't hurt. So he's, he's got a uh, shot put hard throw. Doesn't hurt that he's Otis Redding, and I think a yeah. lot of things that he turns his hand to were. <laughs> he basically slammed it down the counter and went, <laughs> "Yeah." And then they said, "Of course," and they backed off. Should we tie this one off? Please. <laughs> <laughs> so just to to finish things off, we're not going to do a one versus one scenario. We've got a five way dance here. <sighs> Tyler and Flex. It's mostly because this has got a slightly complicated history. I heard it through the grapevine, which was first recorded by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. It was then recorded by Marvin Gaye. Then Gladys Knight and the Pips did a recorded version. Oh. So these are all kind of going about round about the same time. So this is like the the Motown, you Mm -hmm. know, we've got a song. I'll have a bunch of people cover it. Uh, and then we have Creedence Clearwater Revival, obviously a couple of decades later do that. And then The Slits did a version. These are all very, so that I mean the first three have got some similarities. Gladys Knight's one is slightly different. And then you've got these other two later ones who give a good effort uh, to putting their stamp on this song. Uh, so just first of all, of the initial three, what are we thinking about those? So you've got Smokey Robinson, Marvin Gaye, Gladys Knight. I try and be a gentleman and let Dave talk first, but there's a great pause. I know Dave's makes really it. reticent, isn't he? I think you're going to have more conviction in your opinions on this than I am. Oh, I'm an angrier man, is what Dave's saying. So as an angry man, I'm going to tell you that I, I actually didn't like the Gladys Knight of the Pips one. Um, more for the betrayal that for years, mishearing the name as uh, Gladys Knight and the Pimps. But um, <laughs> Marvin Gaye's one. Is is he responsible for the more powerful riff? Because obviously I'm I'm very aware that like that. So that thing way is it's thing, done. Isn't it? I, don't, I don't know if he's responsible yeah. himself. He certainly seems to fit into the song quite well. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's just got a bit more, and there's some orchestration in the background of yeah. his version. Yeah, it's well. all his ooze, his ooze and as. I think it's just one. Of his, it's a bit like it, like someone doing a really good version of Michael Jackson's years later. They have like positive noises. I think Marvin Gaye was the sort of master of not really singing because of it. Uh, was it who was I, I was watching a documentary with someone recently? It was just him practicing with his band in what looked like the back seats of like some weird pub, and he was just like riffing, but the smoothest riffs. And he was just like, Ooh, and the way he would just like in between, like, you know, we'll get to the next, we'll get to the next line, do do do. He was just having a play about, but even his noises just make you, yeah, my knickers were coming down for goodness sake. I was slipping them off slowly, but I knew they'd be down eventually. So it's just his way of. Grapevine and my knickers off is the way I think he got the song. He's he slipped it off slowly and, and did it right. He did it right. So basically. yeah, I guess there's a caveat here that I think Marvin Gaye's version of I "Heard It Through the Grapevine" is probably regarded as one of the greatest pieces of recorded pop music in history. Um, so <laughs> we're probably putting that to number one, unless you disagree. Yeah. Uh, so it might be which yeah, which is unfortunate as well because his version of it is the definitive version, and it's one of these things that if you'd heard it first, all others sound a bit weird. But I guess if you you're you're lucky enough to have heard the first versions from Gladys and Smokey Robinson, the Miracles, and that. 
you'd be like, oh my God, so there's three enjoyable versions of this, whereas I was always going backwards from the Marvin Gaye. But weirdly, years later, hearing the Slits version yeah, is actually... Yeah, let's bring the other two in here. Let's bring Creedence yeah. and the, the Slits in here to the conversation. We've got Marvin Gaye at the top here. What about the, yeah, the, oh, rest, yeah. of, the rest of the film? I'm, I'm going to say that the Slits, for me, follows a, close, a very close second as enjoyment. Uh, the Slits version of... They've heard it through the grapevine. It's like my enjoyment of uh, Rambo 4 in the cinema. Just did what it needed to. There was just so much throat tearing and uh, melting of people in trucks with machine gun fire. Uh, I think that's this version of the, the Slits version of this because it's just the way their they're singing style is kind of offbeat. It reminded me of the Devo version of uh, Can't Get No Satisfaction. I love to mention on the cover, um, but it's just... It's one of these things like, because it, it's so off, you know, almost like a, what's that? What's that? Um, it's used for like old horror films, you know, like, like someone, yeah, like someone rocking out in a pheromone. It's a weird, unmusical instrument, but if someone really rocks out on it, you're like, yeah, come on. There's just so much in there that you're just enjoying, mm. but you're remembering the original. They're so honoring the original yeah, by having but a using lot of fun doing it yes. their way fun fun is always okay so credence is not so fun it's a long version isn't no, it no i i'm sorry credence is immediately disqualified because when you take an original and say you know what that needs not only are we covering it and honoring it but i'd say let's make it 12 minutes <laughs> what what come on dave oh that's me and i'm in i'm talking now so uh yeah <clears throat> i i think uh, marvin gay um, is the the owner of the song now? He's he's inherited it. Says, oh, just, I, I don't, this isn't a good one for me. But, um, Marvin Gaye, really good. Um, yeah. and, uh, he used to be furious. I, so, if, you, if we were to, can we agree on a ranking here? So, we got Marvin Gaye at number one. Mm, uh, yeah. so I, I guess this, yeah, the slits at number two. Why not? It's no fun. argument. I'll give I'll give uh, Smokey Robinson number three Ooh, for me. And Gladys, oh. though. Yeah, I quite like the Gladys Knight. It's because it's different, isn't it? Because di- Smokey Robinson's one's like a, um, it's like a primer version of the Marvin Gaye one, uh, which then just... it's like when you hear an early demo of someone doing yeah. a, a version of a song. Like, you know, it's still good. I mean, the spirit's there, but it's not got the the bells I mean, and whistles. Smokey Robinson's good, obviously. I quite like the Credence version, you know. For twelve minutes, you enjoy it. I enjoyed the entire twelve minutes of it. I, I think uh, I'm already primed to like anything. With John Fogarty's voice, so um, I don't know. It's been a I'm while since I've heard it. You are? Is it, it? There's been a while since I've heard the Credence one, but am I right in thinking that it's got a bit more? Um, You're supposed momentum to, to, to the, these, the, uh, the drums kind of podcast. I guess you didn't have twelve spare minutes. Is that accurate? I I didn't um, I didn't have time for the five way comparison. Um, I should have made time, but. Um, what happened was you shared two playlists and I listened to the Pat Boone one <laughs> extensively. <laughs> you poor man. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and we really only needed a cursory glance at the Pat yeah. Boone one. It's the same thing <laughs> so over I and over again. That. Uh, so I really invested my time poorly. Um, my, I think we're going to go deep into the five versions of I Heard It Through the Grapevine. That's fine. But yeah, your memory of Creedence's version? I remember it ticking along at a slightly faster pace. Yeah, it's got it's got a bit of drive to it, hasn't it? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be one of these now. I'm not going to put my name up on that board. 
Marvin Gaye, The Slits. I'd be happy if we're Gladys Knight, number three. Smokey Honor Robinson, her. and then Creedence Sewer. Just, you took too long. <laughs> Entirely too long to get to the point. Entirely too long too, to get to the point. Too, yeah. Yeah, it's too long. But yes, no, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with that. They're all good. Through the fine. I heard it through all the right. radio. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I've cut this out. Dave, you get no power this here. Right? This section <laughs> is gone. And that's it. We've had enough of these, haven't we? Cover songs for now. Yeah, we've covered more, it. We've covered it. Well covered. We're more than happy to return to the subject if we feel like we enjoyed this. Or on the listen back, it sounded like it was an absolute pile of shit. Uh, we can <laughs> always just forget about the whole thing. Uh, but thank you, everyone. Enjoy that. Oh, I, I loved it. Apart from the end where Dave got real negative. Oof. <laughs> it wasn't so much negative. It was more just um, weak. You know, I I knew that I had nothing. Um, and ah, uh, honesty. Yeah, you'll you'll enjoy listening back to it. Uh, the fact that I go very quiet <laughs> after we get past Pat Boone, and <laughs> <laughs> just generally agree with your opinions more and more. When I give you a playlist, really listen to the whole thing. I uh, mean, it was too late in the day yeah. though. It wasn't was it on the Friday or the oh. Thursday? I think it was the Thursday, late in the Thursday night, wasn't it? Late. late listen to these Thursday. guys. It was during the day. Uh, yeah, because I remember getting it through for the. For the record collectors out there, maybe we'd start tying this into the end of these podcasts just for just Uh-oh. so people can get something out of it, you know, instead of just a <laughs> bunch of rambling nonsense. Uh, you gonna recommend a cover for people to go out and buy? I don't know. I guess a forty-five version of this. I don't know what people buy nowadays. Uh, hmm. Which one are you picking? Out of the list we've been talking the about, the list we've been talking blue. about. You can even All right, I was, I was like, like weirdly, weirdly encouraging me and Dave's uh, vice of the whole thing. Like, oh, you've mentioned something else. Let's bring out a third party to this uh, <laughs> situation. Uh, of the ones today, I would say, yeah, go out your way to listen to the Slits version of Grapevine. I think it is quite, it's unique. It's very enjoyable. And there's, like Dave was saying, it's a good time. Yeah, probably a limited production as well. So it'll hold its value. Yeah. <laughs> This guy wants his dinner so bad. Yeah, Dave, what are you give, what are you telling people to go out and get? Well, my telling people to go out and get um, out of everything we've spoken about. Well, the, the cover, the the successful, the most successful cover version that you think's worth worth the price. The most successful cover version that you'll enjoy listening to. Um, probably default back to my original, which is the the Roxy Music. Jealous guy can't get enough of that. <laughs> so not only we're officially discussing, but that's fine. Not one of the ones we discussed. We we briefly touched on it, so I'm happy. I'm happy to free go away with that. Uh, I would go with a slightly different version of Great Fine, the Marvin Gaye version. I must have. Oh. Can I have that as well? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> okay. Just just reiterate that. Because I've got mm. not enough records. And that's it. That's us covered. The whole bit. Thank you for coming. And thank you for listening. Oh. Until next time on the Blast from Cast from. Keep it uh, new catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> We've got all the bases. <laughs>